This is the Macmillan Library Podcast, a community conversation maker, bringing you curated conversations with Macmillan librarians, community members, authors, musicians, artists, and more. Welcome back to the MCM Podcast. Have you ever wondered why there is a UW extension and why you should care? Let Jeremy Erickson suss out the details for you. He talks about what the UW extension is trying to do and unique services that are offered to the community for free. We talk soil, gardening, microgreens, hemp, and literature. If you have more questions, you'll learn during the podcast where you can ask them. It was fantastic talking with Jeremy. I really appreciate him coming down to the library, and I hope to get him back on the podcast to go in-depth on topics such as gardening when the season is right. And now, here's Jeremy. Today we have Jeremy Erickson from the UW Extension of Wood County. He is the horticulture educator. Thanks for stopping down. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, first, could you just tell us a little bit about what the UW Extension does uh, for someone who's unfamiliar, what they do in the area, what's their role? Sure. Um, I would say mainly, first and foremost, we're, we're here to provide um, services and assistance to the community, um, whether that be something horticulture related, like I'm like I'm more specialized in, or it can be something agriculture related, farming, it can be um, family living, cooking, uh, living on a budget. Um, So we can provide a lot of services to the community. And are these services that you go out and give presentations or do people take classes there? Does it cost money? Like what if someone was interested? What, how do you get involved or find where you guys are doing something? Um, it can be mixed. Uh, sometimes we're, we're there just to, uh, be in the office and take, uh, you know, phone calls or emails from the community of varying questions. Um, but we also do offer programming classes, workshops, things like that as well. Um, so the best way I would say would be to check out our website. You can just search UW extension Wood County, and that'll bring you to our website. We have a calendar of events on there and, um, it lists the different pages, um, you know, horticulture, family living, 4-H, agriculture, and um, community development as well. So people can just call in or email, like if I was gardening and I ran into some strange question or plant, I could just shoot you an email? Yep, yep. Um, We get uh, many different emails about sometimes (laughs) topics that you never even thought would be topics. Um, And uh, I've definitely learned that the horticulture world does not only apply to plants. It can be, you know, I've got bees in my wall. How do I get rid of them? It can be, um, I've got moles in my backyard, digging my grass up. What can I do for that? Um, I've got these bugs in my house that are biting me. How can I get rid of those? (laughs) So (laughs) lots of different things have come up (laughs) in my time here. Wow. That's crazy. That's a great resource that I didn't know about really to Mm -hmm. point people to. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, a big part of our mission or, or um, work that we do is taking research and, and other things from 
university work and applying that and being able to provide that information to the community as they, you know, as they need it or want it. That's really helpful. It mm -hmm. takes a long time to, and a lot of free time to go and read through all those studies <laughs> and see which ones are legit and which ones have been replicated. And it mm -hmm. just takes a long time sifting through all those things to decide what you might want to right. pursue. Right. And now with the, the internet, you know, readily available to anyone wherever, um, there's a lot of a lot of information on the internet and some mm -hmm. can come, some can be more credible than others. So it's nice to have the backing and the, um, the support of the university research to back up the information that we're trying to share with the community too. Right. Yeah. Not only is the internet resources and people writing articles, sometimes not credible, but even the studies you have to figure out who funded the study mm -hmm. and why was it done and how was it done? Cause there's, pretty easy ways that people know about now that you can make a study slant in your direction, especially if someone's paying you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. So that's what your main role there is? Yeah. Um, a lot of it, it's, it's uh, obviously a little bit based on what season it is. Um, you know, this time of year, um, I'm trying to go dormant as well as the plants and get a little bit of hibernation <laughs> time in the winter. Um, but the winter time is a lot of planning and, um, you know, meetings and getting ready for, for programming and events that we're going to do in the coming year. So, um, and then during the season, a big part of my job is, uh, taking questions from the community. We get a lot of phone calls and emails about, um, lots of, you know, gardening, horticulture related questions during, during the growing season. So that can be a pretty busy time of year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to have some questions for you <laughs> coming up, um, what are the big issues around Wood County that you've that are currently trending or something that you're running into a lot? Um, I would say something that I've been uh, really working on this last year or so um, in collaboration with the Wood County Health Department, uh, Marshfield Healthy Lifestyles Committee, and a few other uh, coalition partners, Encourage, um, We've really been trying to do a lot of work on um, the local food economy in Wood County and trying to both educate people on why that's important and um, but also figure out ways to to make that a little bit more of a staple or more more of a um, pronounced thing in our community, you know, through farmers market promotion and um, different events like that or, or community gatherings that can really promote uh, the local food economy and, and um, you know, acknowledge our, our farming culture in this community as well, in this county. Yeah, there are a lot of local farms in the area, aren't there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Wood County is, um, I mean, obviously cranberries is a big part, but um, there's a lot of grazing, you know, a lot of animal farms in, in Wood County. Um, some of the clay soil in this county isn't really suitable to vegetable farming. Um, a lot of that is maybe more in Portage County, our neighbors next door. But um, there's still a lot of people in Wood County that are doing vegetable farming and, and small-scale production. I was actually going to ask you that as one of my next questions, that what is the soil content in central Wisconsin like? Because I just moved here and we used to have a large garden and our house now has a spot for a medium garden, but I don't know what the soil's like and how it's going to be different or how 
I should make it better? And should I test the soil? Should people go that far? Yeah, getting a soil test is never a bad thing. Um, it can at least give you some sort of a baseline to give you an idea of where your soil's at, you know, what the nutrient values are, um, you know, what the composition is is made up of. Uh, most of the soil in the, the southern half of the county is going to be a lot of sand, you know, that central sands soil. Mm, yeah. Um, and then the the northern part of the county is going to be a lot more clay, a lot of heavier soil. Um, the clay soil can be pretty hard to work, and it's, it's harder to amend clay soil than it is sandy soil. Um, so especially if you're in some of the lower-lying areas in, in the clay soil, you can be retaining a lot of moisture throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have a tractor, it can be, that can make things really hard because it's hard to get in and do tractor work if your field is muddy for a week straight or so. Um, regardless of the, so- the type of soil that you have, adding organic matter is always a good thing. Um, if you have clay soil, adding organic matter is going to add more structure to it allow water and air and nutrients to flow through there a little bit better. Um, if you have sandy soil, that's going to help retain a little bit more moisture, retain nutrients better because in the sand, you're, you know, water's just running through, percolating through pretty quickly. So um, raised beds are a really nice thing to do. That's something that I've kind of transitioned a lot of the gardens I work at into raised beds. Um, just overall kind of easier to manage, less weeding. Um, you can have a little bit more control of your soil type. You know, if you're if you're in maybe a straight sand or a straight clay and it's kind of hard soil to work with, maybe building a raised bed can be a good idea for you because you, you have better control of, of managing that soil. How, how deep do the raised beds need to be? Um, it depends on what you're planting. Yeah, it depends on what you want to grow. Um, I've got some elevated tables that I grow mainly just simple greens in, like lettuce and spinach and stuff, and that probably only grows in about two and a half, three inches of soil, and that can produce quite a bit in that. Um, if you're looking to do things, maybe root crops like carrots, beets, turnips, radishes, things like that, you're probably going to want more like four to six inches of soil, I would say. Um, deeper, if you're going to be planting longer carrots or longer root crops. Um, if you're looking to do like tomatoes or peppers or some of the larger plants, um, you know, you're probably going to want at least eight inches of soil, I would say. Have you ever experimented with straw bale gardening? I was looking into that last year. I didn't have time to eventually get any straw bales, but it seemed like there might be a high yield, low weeding <laughs> thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've only done straw bales one season um, and unfortunately it was at a, a garden site that was, um, kind of far out of town. So I wasn't able to get to it on a regular basis and check on it. Um, the main things with straw bales is that they need to be kept moist pretty consistently. Uh, so if you're not able to check on it, or if you're getting a really dry and hot summer, the bales can dry, dry out really quick. And then, you know, therefore your plants dry out. Um, but other than that, straw bales can work really well, especially if you're maybe, um, in a place where you don't have space to garden or you can't dig up your yard or, um, you know, you live in an apartment complex or something, um, the straw bales can be really nice. You can set them right on the blacktop or concrete or your porch or your deck. And um, the main thing with getting them started is they need to um, be seasoned or or cured, essentially. So you would... um, 
add some nitrogen fertilizer to the top of it and then you want to soak them down pretty consistently for about a week or two and that'll start a, a natural decomposition process to kind of heat up the bale and um that just starts the the breakdown process a little bit makes some of those nutrients and fertilizers a little bit more available to the plants once you plant them in there um so you fertilize them water them down for about a week or two once they kind of heat up to a certain point they'll they'll essentially break or or get past that heating heating point and then they'll cool down a little bit back to regular temperature um so when they get back to regular temperature that's when you can start to plant in in the bale and um like i mentioned earlier you mainly just want to keep them moist throughout the the time because they they do dry out pretty quickly and is there a place to buy them around in the area um i know a lot of local farmers will sell you know sell bales right off the farm if you if you know any in the area um sometimes garden centers or hardware stores will sell them too um and they can be kind of hard to find it kind of depends on the season some seasons are better than others for for getting them depending on the weather so when you go to buy a straw bale do you need to make sure it's a certain type of straw or something so like there's not weeds growing in it right away or it is will anyone work pretty much anyone will work um a lot of times what I've found is that the weeds or the the grass seeds are going to be growing in pretty much every bale that you get. It's really hard. Uh, that, I guess it's up to the, the farmer, you know, to harvest the bale or harvest the, the uh, crop at the right time to minimize the amount of seeds that would be stuck in the bale. Um, a lot of times with bales, you're going to get some type of grass or, or weed seeds germinating through. It's just, it's pretty hard to, to not get that. Um, but usually they're really easy to pull out and they're not going to be too much of a problem if you if you just maintain, you know, checking them every now and then. And for somebody looking to start a garden or plant some kind of landscape plants in the area, what do you think are the most valuable plants to have in a landscape or garden in in our area? Like best growing or best producing or best for the environment or something that would help the local environment dealing with animals or bees or something uh well i would say if you're able to try and shoot for native plants as much as you can um there's a lot of really nice native plants that uh you know aren't just beneficial because of the the aspects that they bring to the environment but they're also very nice looking aesthetically pleasing too um some people think you know they've got to go with these really exotic ornamentals and and get you know the fanciest looking flower or the um you know the best looking foliage or shape or something but um a lot of a lot of those ornamentals and exotics that you try and bring to this area or bring to Wisconsin weren't from here originally so they're not you know they're not necessarily suited to grow in this climate so um natives are going to be the best overall for you know winter hardiness, being able to last through the winter season after season, um, beneficial insects like your pollinators and other things are going to benefit from your natives. Um, and sometimes too, if you bring in exotic ornamentals, they might be very prone to, uh, insects or disease in this area because they're not, they've never been exposed to that type of thing before maybe. So, um, I would always try and shoot with, with natives if you're, if you're able to. Are there any 
really fast growing natives that you'd recommend if you're trying to plant some kind of tree or shrub for privacy in the yard? If you're looking for privacy, some of the faster growing ones, I mean, if you can find some of the native willow species, willows grow really fast. If you, depending on how big your property is, if you have, you know, if you're looking to do a huge tree line or a huge windbreak, uh, a lot of people will plant like poplar because they're really fast growing. Um, and they're, they're pretty hardy too. They're, you know, they're hard to, hard to kill once they get going. <laughs> that's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is, uh, yeah, sumac, that's native, right? Uh, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sumac's another one that can really, it's a fast grower, you know, it can, it can take over an area too. So some things that are, um, you know, maybe very aggressive growers, you might want to be careful where you plant those or how much you plant of them. Cause they, if they do get established, they can very easily, you know, take over an area. Yeah, we have some in our yard currently. In our last yard, we had some heard someone had neatly trimmed like five sumac trees, basically. Mm -hmm. And then I let them go for like two years and they start, they completely <laughs> took over mm -hmm. and they grew really fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing to see. <laughs> yep. Yep. <clears throat> um <clears throat> and you also work with I saw the Master Gardeners. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I serve as the Wood County Master Gardeners uh, advisor or their kind of their connection between the university and the, and the community. Um, so in Wood County, I believe we have about 77 certified master gardeners and uh, they're involved in many different projects and events throughout the community. I believe we have about 25 uh, outdoor projects or, or gardens that we manage or help take care of. Um, they can be at places like the libraries, the zoos, um, the historical society, the community gardens. Um, and then they do, they also do a lot of work with educating the community too. So putting on workshops or, um, seminars, bringing in speakers, uh, you know, on various different topics to speak to the community too. Are there any big projects coming up in the spring that you know about? Uh, well, we have our uh, spring seminar every year, and that's going to be, uh, that's always at Mid-State, the Mid-State campus here in Rapids. And um, we have uh, a local speaker this year. He's uh, the owner and operator of Lonely Oak Farm in Millidore, Joel Keenhold, and he's going to be one of our speakers speaking on um, community-supported agriculture and uh, small-scale organic farming. So that'll be really nice to have a, a local speaker in our community for that event. Yeah, that sounds good. Is that open to the public? Yes, and uh, cost is $10. And um, it's usually on a Saturday from about 8.30 till noon, about a half-day uh, half day seminar. And um, yeah, it's a really, really great time. We've had a lot of really good speakers the last couple of years that I've been involved with it. And then... Um, Another th event or multiple events that we're starting new this year, we are going to be doing um, kind of like a coffee talk sessions at the libraries in the county, um, and they're going to be horticultural horticultural uh, topics. Um, so the first one that we're doing is going to be at the Arpen Library in February, and we're going to be talking about uh, kind of the beginning of the garden season, you know, ordering seeds, getting seeds started. Um, how to, you know, plan and prep and design your garden, things like that. So we're going to try and do one every month starting in February at a different library in the county and different topics throughout the gardening season too. 
That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of want to steer away from, for for this event specifically, we want to steer away from the normal, you know, everybody comes in a big presentation room and there's a presenter and it's more formal. We want to have it more, you know, casual, everybody kind of gathered around in a circle, very loose conversation and, and, you know, sharing of ideas and things related to gardening and, and things like that. So more of a casual, um, social, you know, social hour and socialization about, you know, what, what people are doing with their gardens and how they do things and, you know, maybe can learn from each other on some of that stuff. Yeah. That's a great idea mm-hmm. to collaborate with all the information. Cause a lot of people are really, really have a lot of knowledge in gardening and it's great to be able to share with different with your community different things that are working for you mm-hmm. or maybe you'll say hey i'm doing this and it's really great and then somebody will say i did that 2 years ago and this is how it turns out you might want to stop or something <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you can save yourself a lot of time you can ask questions it sounds like a really great thing yeah 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 we're looking forward to it that'll be our our first uh first year doing this this year so and I also saw that you did, I think you did a a class or a talk on uh, microgreens. Yeah, I've done a couple presentations on microgreens. Um, I might be trying to do another one here in Wisconsin Rapids uh, this coming spring. Um, but yeah, if you haven't heard of microgreens before, they're similar to sprouts, but they're um, grown a little bit differently and they're a little bit more of a mature plant. Um, so microgreens, usually you grow depending on the season and growing conditions, about 10 to 20 days. And um, usually they're just grown in about a, a half inch of soil in a, in a plastic flat or some type of a flat. And um, they're very, because of they're such a young plant, they're very nutritiously dense. Um, so, you know, very, very healthy, very simple, very fun to grow too. Kids can grow them. You can grow them in the wintertime um, just in a, a windowsill if that's all you have. Um, so it's a good way to... Uh, get some fresh greens in the winter time when we're lacking that here in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Is there any certain one that you'd recommend to start if you were looking to grow some? I know um, I've had sunflower. I would go with sunflowers before. and peas. Those okay. are my two favorites to grow. And kids really love the peas. Have you followed the legalization of hemp production in Wisconsin? And have you seen, are anybody in the area looking to start growing hemp or anything? Um, I've followed it a little bit. I'm not too involved with that side of the horticulture realm. That's more of the agriculture Just agent. Agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been bringing up a lot of questions in throughout the state, you know, through extension, because there's a lot of farmers that are very interested in, in trying to do that. Um, you know, because a lot of the commodity prices like corn and soybeans are very low, you know, very high input, high resource, and not too much of a you know, end gain or, or profit on those right now. So, um, I think the first round or the first season of this is more, uh, research-based. Um, so you have to, I believe you have to apply for a permit and then it's going to be grown mainly as research to study, um, you know, it's nutrient use, um, different aspects of harvesting and then, uh, post-production to, you know, what can be done with it. Is there a market for it after, after it's harvested? Yeah. That could be, it seems from my point of view, it could be good for getting a new crop in there besides just corn and soy, maybe diversifying mm-hmm. a little bit, changing up the soil, adding some other things to the environment. I don't know if there's any negative 
consequences of introducing hemp here, but I haven't heard about any. Yeah, I think the only real negative would maybe be um, if that did end up turning into a, the next corn or soybeans where it was monocropped, you know, mm. and then just done that year after year after year. Um, that could create some issues. But um, other than that, I think the main thing, uh, the main post-production use right now would be for seed and um, food products, I believe. I think the um, fiber or the fabric part of that, the, the fiber part of that is the market is already, I think, over overwhelmed and flooded with that. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, hopefully that can be the, another um, outlet for the farming economy in Wisconsin because they could use a little bit more diversification and, and more income coming into the farmers, you know, the farmers and their families. So hopefully this will be a good move for that. Yeah, I love putting hemp seeds on salads on microgreens mm -hmm. yeah it's delicious yeah. Mm -hmm. and i mean you know back in post or uh pre-world war ii uh wisconsin southern wisconsin and illinois used to be the, the hemp belt you know of the country a lot of hemp was produced in in those two states and and other states in the midwest um so it'd be good to see wisconsin you know thriving on on that economy again yeah i was looking at that back in the back in that time they used to make things i didn't know hemp could get so light and strong that they can make like car bumpers out of it and stuff like it, <laughs> it's ridiculous that how yeah. many like you can eat it you can wear it and it can be something as hard as a car <laughs> bumper like it's pretty crazy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which brings me to something from before about rotating crops we we're just talking about so for your even for your personal garden is that something you should be thinking of like not planning tomatoes in the same exact spot every time or for something that small can you just recharge the soil with uh, fertilizers ideally i would say it's best to rotate as much as you can um so different veggies different plants are going to be using different nutrients you know um certain things maybe like tomatoes are really heavy feeders you know so they're using up a lot and a lot of the nutrients in the soil uh, whereas something maybe like beans or peas, they're legumes and they're heavy givers. Um, so they they can um, fix nitrogen from the air and then allow that to be better suited to be absorbed by the plants in the soil. Um, so a good rotation could maybe be if you're going to be planting tomatoes or one of those heavy feeders, maybe follow that up the next year with a heavy giver like a legume or something to put to fix some nutrients back into that soil. Um other reasons to do that too, especially with a thing like tomatoes, they're very prone to carrying disease or acquiring diseases. So if you're going to be growing tomatoes in that same spot year after year, at some point there's a good chance that, you know, some type of a disease might develop on that tomato and then it would be, it could be persistent year after year in that same spot. Okay. Um, are you familiar with anything? I was looking around at horticulture stuff before you came there's horticulture therapy or therapeutic horticulture. Have you come into contact with anybody using just plants and for their well-being in general? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot. You hear a lot about it, um, you know, and then I, I would even consider that something as simple as maybe just having a few house plants in your house, you know, and, and um looking at them, maybe smelling them if they have a, a, you know, if they're an odiferous plant or 
um, you know, watering them or, or, you know, tending to those plants, if that gives you some sort of a, you know, benefit to you, then I would consider that a form of horticulture therapy. Um, there's also a lot of evidence that has shown that um, just by digging in the soil, soil contains microbes that have vitamins in there, and then those can get absorbed in your skin. Yeah, and, I heard you about know, that. Can, um, are beneficial and kind of act as a you know a release of serotonin or you know something that that kind of gives you that good feeling. You know, may it might not be like you touch the soil and you feel great instantly, but <laughs> over time and over you know over hours working in that soil can have a lot of benefits to you. Um, last year, I actually did a class, I think, or it was earlier this year, I did a class at the um, Aging and Disability Resource Center here in town to a visually impaired group. Um, so I brought in a lot of um, sensory plants, you know, they either felt really cool to the touch or they had a really good odor to them, um, or maybe they... Um, you know, different things that, that can be um, observed other than with, you know, with your using your, mm -hmm. your eyes. Um, so something like that I would consider a, a way of, or a type of horticulture therapy too, because the, um, the participants in the class were really excited and really cool to be, you know, feeling the plants and smelling them. And, and just, uh, it's a cool thing to do for people that aren't able to, um, you know, maybe get that therapy through other other means yeah i was heard that uh that soil being in contact with the soil and getting a little dirty is good for growing children too not just oh, okay. keep them in a closed off completely sterile environment mm -hmm. that being exposed to different bacterias and soils is good for growing the immune system because if you're just shut mm -hmm. off from everything it's kind of like that vaccine effect maybe i don't mm -hmm. know if you're just shut off from everything then the moment you're exposed to something you're not equipped to deal with it but if you're getting little bits of bacteria and dirt throughout the day while you're growing up then you have a better immune system mm -hmm. supposedly mm -hmm. yeah uh do you have any favorite naturalists hmm <laughs> that's a good question i mean you know, John Muir, Aldo Leopold, those are probably the top two that come to mind. Um, they also have a lot of history in Wisconsin or ties to Wisconsin too. So that's probably why I would name name those. This is kind of the same question a little bit, but uh, any good books, nature books or horticulture books that you'd recommend um, for instruction or enjoyment? Yeah, for instruction and enjoyment, I guess, too. Um, but anything, I would say, anything related to uh, small-scale vegetable production, I would check out Elliot Coleman. And he's he's got a lot of really innovative ideas and, um, you know, great methodology and, and reasons behind the, the way that he does things. For enjoyment, I'll be honest, I'm not much of a long book reader anymore i used to read a lot when i was younger um but because it's partially it's a very good book but it's also very short so i kind of like it um the sand county almanac is a, is a oh, good yeah. classic <laughs> mm -hmm. definitely if you're looking for a short as well one of my favorite essays of all time is uh henry david thrill's walking mm -hmm. get mm -hmm. you inspired to go hit the trails and get some of that therapy from the trees yep, and forest yep. mm -hmm. <laughs> uh thanks for coming down today uh, and we'll look forward to classes in the spring and different projects that you're having and maybe be able to 
get you back on to talk more in depth about gardening in the spring or something. Yeah. Yeah. When both myself and the plants come out of dormancy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We hope you use this information to strike up a local conversation. We believe in the power of community and story here at the library, and we have plenty of stories in book, ebook, CD, DVD, and magazine form. Check us out at macmillanlibrary.org to see upcoming events, including concerts, speakers, movies, and more. We also have free online classes through Gale Courses, as well as a host of databases for your research needs. If you can't find what you're looking for, stop in at the information desk. The Macmillan Conversation Maker podcast can be found at macmillanlibrary.org backslash podcast. <laughs> <laughs>